Hey there, believers. This episode, it just it blows my mind that I was even able to get Scott Walter on here. Um, but it was way easier than I anticipated. Um, I just reached out to him in an email. His wife replied back and done. We scheduled it. No problems. They were, you know, eager to come on the show and relay some information to us. Um, that being said, this did not go exactly how I planned on it going. I wanted to talk about giants in America, Bigfoot, um, that enormous stone head that I have in my office, which we did talk about a little bit off air. Um, he said it looked like it came from Asia or something like that, which was interesting. But anyway, the the episode, you know, the conversation, you know how I do. I just let everybody talk, say what they want. It kind of uh, took a different path than what I was expecting, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it was just I was off guard. And there's going to be some conversation that um, – is bombshell stuff, like things that you really, really need to hear, especially when he starts talking about disclosure um, agents. Hold on. That's, I'm at work, you can tell. It's, it's back to school time, so here I am. Um, yeah, he starts talking about disclosure. He starts talking about um, government agents that come and stay at his house for a while. It gets wild. Um, but there's some other stuff he's going to talk about. He's going to he's going to get in on some religious aspects of history. He gets in on uh, the true foundation of America, uh, and you know it gets a little. It might get a little conspiratorial or political, or just the best word for it, controversial. Okay. This episode will be controversial. There's going to be a lot of hate mail sent to me. Um, send it to me. Don't send it to Scott or Janet. Uh, if you have any any problems with this episode, send it to me, okay? Because, you know, it's it's my show. Don't take it out on, on them. They have enough going on. Uh, if you have questions for them, I'm sure they don't mind you reaching out to them. But, you know... If you disagree with what they have to say, that's fine. Talk to me about it. Because I'll tell you now, their views and my views are probably going to be different on a lot of stuff. Um, I don't argue with people on the show. I'm not going to cause that kind of tension. I'm not going to disrespect my guests. ask them to come on. I value every word they have to say. We might have a difference of opinion, but I'm sitting there willing to learn and willing to listen. Um, it's not my place to push my thoughts on anybody that I've asked to be on my show. That's not how that works. So enjoy the show. I hope you love it. It was a blast. It was an honor to have Scott Walter and his wife, Jenna on the show. Uh, I was huge fans, still a huge fan. And I hope you guys get as much out of this as I did. When he turned his back 
from shoulder to shoulder look like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. I've been waiting for over a year to have an episode like this one. Today, I'm bringing on special guest Scott Walter and his wife, Janet. Um, You'll recognize the name because Scott was on uh, the History Channel. He probably still is doing narrations and stuff. But he had a show on there called America Unearthed. And he would tell the secret history of America. You know, he would go over rune stones that were found ancient mining sites um who's real big into you know masons and the hooked x and he would go into uh, giants in america just all the the real history pre-columbus you know just a wealth of knowledge fascinating material and i reached out to him we we lined this up. We scheduled something for tonight, and I'm just <laughs> I'm over the moon excited. I'm I'm nervous. I don't usually get nervous for a show. I, I like to just have a conversation, but right now I feel like I'm doing a job interview or something. So what we're going to do? We'll get him. We'll get him on the show. Um, we'll get him on here. Sorry, in just a second. See, I'm nervous. We'll get him on here in just a second. Um, let him introduce himself. Let his wife Janet introduce herself, um, and just go into it. I do have a long list of questions. I don't want to have to ask a whole lot because I like to let you know my guests control the pace of the show and the and the content. But I I do want to get to a few things you know while I have his attention. So I look forward to this. Um, for those of you with Patreon, there's going to be a video for it too, and. I intend to be sharing a, a, a picture of something that I have here in my office that I want him to discuss with me. Um, I've waited all my life for answers to this one. And if anybody can answer it, it's Scott. I have what I hope is an old artifact and I, I bet he can identify it. So is it something? Is it nothing? I guess we'll all find out together. All right, so just a second, I'll go ahead and bring him on. All right, we'll go ahead and get straight into the show. Um, Scott and Janet, thank you again for coming on here. I really appreciate you guys. Um, 
we talked a little bit off air and I got a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind. Um, let's just start off kind of chronologically. If you guys would be willing to share like your, uh, your origin story, you know, how you guys got into this whole field of uh, forensic geology and discovering the truth. Uh, I would love to hear all about that. Well, why don't I start and then I'll, I'll uh, let Janet pick up, but I mean, you know, for me, this started back in July of 2000 when I was, uh, I like to say, minding my own business, running my materials forensic laboratory, American Petrographic Services over in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I was contacted by a representative with the Runestone Museum to study, uh, to perform a forensic analysis on the Kensington Runestone. And I remember looking at the guy and I said, what's that? I <laughs> What the hell is that? I have no idea what the rootstone was. And so he, he explained it to me. And anyway, so we did this work and it became pretty evident based on the geology that the weathering of the inscription, I mean, everybody knows the rock is old, right? It's the question is how old is the inscription? And it became pretty obvious to me early on that the inscription was, was weathered and uh, was old. Now, the next question was how old? And so what I did was I uh, performed a, a weathering study using um, <clears throat> tombstones, obviously of known age, because they have the dates right there, with the same like mineralogy as the runestone. And I was able to calculate how long it took for minerals on the surface of the tombstones to come off that had already fallen off of the Kensington runestone. So whatever that number was when they began to, to come off, we knew the runestone was older because they were already gone. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That's genius. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to measure it. Yeah, and so, and so that number came out to be about 200 years, but that number is 200 years from the date the stone was pulled out of the ground in 1898 because it hasn't been in a weathering environment since. So you push it back 200 years from 1898. <clears throat> well, there was certainly nobody there except maybe some surveyors or, uh, you know, Christian missionaries wandering the woods there, or a French fur trader or two. But there was really nobody that could have carved it. Certainly not Olaf Oman, and certainly not anybody in the late 19th century, which is what the world currently thinks. Now, I didn't know anything about that historical paradigm mm -hmm. that was going on at the time. And I just came out and wrote my report. And I said, it's genuine. Good for you. And, and it's dated 1362. Right. Self-dated. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Which is 130 years before Chris. You know, that guy that never set foot on the continent, we now call the United States, that already had millions of people living here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah it's that that whole premise is ridiculous yeah it's 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 borderline insane but it's it's what we have but in any case so um, I wrote my report and not long after I was I was I was I was blitzed by criticism and questions and you know I was I was more than happy to answer the questions mm -hmm. but it wasn't the questions it was People just didn't like the answer. Well, can we tell them about the conference? 
Oh yeah, go ahead. You tell me. Yeah, yeah. We went. We were well. Scott was invited to speak and and give this information, his findings to an archaeological conference up here in the Midwest. Oh Jesus! And yeah. we walked in, and he went up to the front desk to ask what room we were supposed to go to, and there was a man standing there, and he, and Scott <laughs> said his name, and the guy looked at him and went. Oh. And, and turned his back on him. Oh my gosh. He was he was standing next to a little short wall. He was right next to it, like right here is the wall. And he heard my name. He goes, Oh, and he turns to the wall. And he's literally six inches from the wall. It was insane. And we looked at each other like, what? <laughs> I know I'm like, dude. We had no uh, idea that this was a well, controversial subject. Yeah. Even. And I looked at him and I said, dude, I just want to know what room it's in. It turns out that guy was the state archaeologist. From Minnesota. At the at, time. At that time, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. talk about a jack wagon. I can't even tell you. I've never seen wow. anything. It was, it, it was, it was friggin' bizarre. Yeah. But, it, but then you gave your findings. Well, then I gave my, yeah, then I gave my, my presentation. It was a... Uh, it was like a half day seminar. They had multiple speakers and I was the last one. And when I gave my speech, people had come in to hear it. It was packed. And when I got done, half the people kind of looked around, were shaking their heads. And the other half were like euphoric and coming up to me and, oh my God, this is fantastic. Do you know what this means? And I went, no, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Um, so it was it was an eye opener to say the least. Yeah, because to, to Scott, it was presenting hard scientific fact, right. provable, not debatable. And then he had people, other people, come up to him and say, "Well, that's all interesting, Mr. Walter, but don't you know the Kensington Ruinstone is a fake?" <laughs> and, and I he, just he, said, "I just what? said to him, I go, didn't you hear what I just said? No, it's not. I right. said the rock." has spoken and I don't care what your opinion is the rock I trust rocks I don't trust some people and the rock told me it was real and that has been my uh my uh I I, I want to say my rock you know but but yeah it's, yeah that was the basis that yeah. served as the foundation for everything that followed and you know if the rock told me it was real uh, I believe it. Uh, it doesn't care. It doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't have, right. um, you know, any horse in the race at all. And so if it says that it's real, that means that somebody carved it. They came from some place for some reason. And so that's what we've spent the last 15, 16 years working on. Figuring it out. And I think we and know, we I think we, we know have. all the answers. I think we got to figure it out. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I dare not ask the question, you know, what is the answer? Because I, I know that's probably coming up in some, some future works, right? Well, uh, it's out there. It, well, no, the basic premise is out there. Yeah. It's the details that we can't share. <clears throat> but the Templars really, um, this is a much longer story than people understand. Um, it started <laughs> It started back in Egypt, really, with an ideology, a certain ideology of uh, that's called monotheistic dualism that has um, um, opposing points that keep things in balance. You know, good, bad, light, dark, male, female, heaven and earth, all that concept of opposites that keep things in balance. And the Hooked X 
represents that. That's part of what the hooked X represents is that <clears throat> that ideology of monotheistic dualism. And the, the, the main emphasis of the dualism, I like to think, is the male and female aspects of the Godhead, right? Mm -hmm. that, that keep things in balance. Um, unfortunately, the Roman Catholic Church came along and created a patriarchal version of deity that um, is frankly um, a myth. I mean, it's made up, and but it's been ingrained in our culture for 2000 years. People have been indoctrinated. Uh, another word would be brainwashed into believing the dogma that, you know, the position that they have created, that Jesus was the son of God. And that's, that's not true. I mean, I hate to break it to your audience, but it's not true. And um, in fact, it gets way more interesting than that. But um, the feminine aspect has been deified and, and uh, marginalized. And, and that's why women are viewed uh, in our society the way they are today. And it's, it's, it's definitely not right. That's not what the ancients believed. It's not no. what the Templars believed. But, I mean, think about <clears throat> the ancient cultures have always revered the sacred feminine, right? right, right. Women are the life givers. <laughs> Mother Earth is the life giver. On right? planet Earth. On the sun is Earth. a male deity and, and fertilizes Mother Earth every, every spring. Mm -hmm. And life, new life grows. I mean, this is the way it was always, always thought of. And not to mention the planet Venus, which is the consort of the sun, which follows him as a morning star or precedes him as a morning star, follows him as an evening star on the same path. Yep, they follow the so, same path. And in mystical circles, they're called the eternal travelers. Right. So, and <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Jim. So we have, we have coined a phrase that we call these families that were the followers of this ancient practice that kept it alive and going in a veiled way. We call them the Venus families, and that's who we, we believe the Templars were part of this movement and that they came here to find their sanctuary and their freedom from the monarchs of Europe and the freedom from the church so that they could practice their own beliefs. And that's why they came over here. And the, well, the yeah. ruined stone was yeah. carved by them and was their... Stake why, in the ground. They're stake in the ground. But why yeah. here? Why Minnesota? All the way to the center of the continent? Right. The reason, because they followed the water. They followed the head to the headwater of the waters that flowed from the Great Lakes to the rivers. And Minnesota is the center of the continent. That's where the waters come from. The geographic center. And right. then <clears throat> you can claim all the land associated with those water systems, the drainage basins. Yeah. Which is all the land. Right. Which is half the continent, right? Well, it's more than half the continent, but it's it was a very logical system. It was the tradition of the time in the 14th century in France, uh, and the Dutch had a similar practice. So, you know, nobody's ever looked at it logically, and no one has really gone down the pathways that you need to go down to figure this thing out because they started with the wrong premise from the beginning. It's a hoax. So why would anybody bother, right? I mean, exactly. it's it's not worth chasing after all this stuff and go, doing all this work because it's a hoax anyway. Well, the opposite was was you know my conclusion. So I knew there had to be answers out there. You just have to go look for them, and sure as heck, we found them. 
and they all make sense. They all fit together as they must, Bo, if it's if you're on the right path, right? Yeah. Well, you you you're blowing my mind here. You know, I'm I'm keeping up because <laughs> you, you guys are great at explaining, and you've you've made it to where I, even somebody like me can understand this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm with you on all of it. I'm, I'm keeping up, but just the information okay. is astounding you know um because i i start to ask the question well who would want to cover it up who would try to hide history you know but you answered that's what we wondered i I answered that question without even knowing the question you did you did Um, it is the church and you know something bo you you live uh i'm sure a lot of your listeners a lot of them are are roman christians and you know my my goal here is not to try to demonize the roman church I'm not trying to tell people that what they want to believe is wrong or anything, anything like that. I mean, people are free to believe in whatever they want and they're free to not accept anything that I might say, or Janet might say, they can say, this is complete bunk. That is their choice. Okay. However, what I will tell you is that what we're telling you is true. And, um, you know, the church is, is the antagonist in this story, without any question. The church has caused more harm in the world, um, and a lot of people are already aware of, of the abuse and, you know, the lies and, and everything else that's going on. But, you know, the thing that I'm most offended by, and I'm just going to put it out there, okay, mm-hmm. is, the you know, I'm a Freemason. I don't know if you know that. Well, I, I found out today, but I was, I was doing a little bit of research and i heard you on another show and i heard you guys you welcomed somebody else into the brotherhood but that's the first time i I heard anything about it yeah Yeah. well and the church looks you know they they uh they condemn freemasonry and you have to ask yourself if you understand anything about the craft because i studied the craft for about 12 years before i became a mason myself but i was convinced by the evidence that it was a great organization and something that i wanted to be part of But here's the dirty little secret, and I'm just going to tell you, and I want your listeners to to listen carefully and to think about this. Don't react to what I'm about to say. Think about it. Let it sink in, and you tell me if it doesn't make sense, okay? And here's what it is. In Freemasonry, we don't care if you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a Buddhist, Um, Native brothers take their obligation on an eagle feather. You can take your obligation on any holy book you want. And we don't care. The only thing that we, we ask people to do is make a statement in a belief in a higher power. The reason for that is to teach humility, that you aren't the greatest thing on this earth, that you don't know it all, that you are beholden to something greater than yourself. And therefore, if you have that, then you are truly ready to receive new information because you admit that you don't know it all. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. So if you follow that, getting back to deity, we don't care what you call it. We don't care how you venerate it. We don't care what the holy book is that you, that you, that you read because we're all talking about the same thing, right? Yeah. It's all the same thing. Yeah. And <clears throat> here's the dirty little secret that organized religion doesn't want you to know. They require 
that you go through a human conduit to get to creator, a priest, a cleric, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. When you can do it yourself, you can have a relationship with deity all by yourself and you can celebrate and you can pray. You can do whatever you want all by yourself. You don't need anybody's permission and you sure as hell don't need a human conduit because that's where all the problems come from because they don't want to give up the manipulation, the power, the control, the money. And I'm sorry to just tell it straight, but those are the facts. And you can't tell me that doesn't make sense. I, I love hearing you tell it straight. Um, <laughs> you know, for me personally, you know, and I, I know I won't receive judgment from you or whatever. I, I'm a Christian. You know, I believe in Jesus. Um, but I don't believe that you have to have an organized religion just as you're saying, I don't, I don't feel like I have to go to a church every Sunday. I don't believe, you know, I was, I was raised up. I'll say I was raised Catholic, but I went to Catholic church with my dad and my grandmother, you know, a couple of times a month until I was about 12 years old. Right. Um, it never made sense about going to confession and, you know, having them tell me what to <laughs> what say. What are you going to tell them your secrets for? Who does that? Come on. Right. right. Give me a break. <laughs> and, you know, and if that's, you know, if that's what my grandmother does to this day, you know, she's in her nineties. Um, good for her. Good for her. Yeah. And, and good on, her, you know, it works for her. It, it's just, I don't feel that conviction. I don't feel like that's what I need to do. So yeah. I, well, you I don't, you don't, man. Yeah. You can have that relationship with your, with your deity, with your God, whatever you want to call it, right. that personal relationship between you and it or her or him, whatever that's, that's your business and nobody else's, unless you decide you want to, you want to, you know, get other people involved, but, but yeah. it's your business. It's not the church's right to give people salvation according to a certain set of rules. That's just BS. I'm sorry. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. Okay. Now, <laughs> um, being a Freemason, you know, that, you know, that's shrouded in secrecy, right? You know, that everybody wants to peek behind that curtain and say like, you know, oh, they're, they're doing this and they're riding on a goat and they're, whatever uh i i will tell you this bo i have yet to see the goat i i <laughs> they uh i've been through the blue lodge the scottish right the york right i've done a lot of stuff i i, I have yet to see the goat okay All right, to the right maybe i'm not there. maybe i'm not high enough maybe <laughs> maybe i tell i don't know what it is so there's there's no nefarious plan that Freemasons have or anything? No, no, no. Listen, there are, there are other organizations that are involved in making the decisions that affect us all, and on and and maybe there are some Masons that are part of those groups, but the group that decides what happens in the world is not Freemasonry, right. um, <clears throat> not anymore. Um, uh, you know, it used to be that pretty much anybody who was anyone that was important back in the day uh, was also a member of the craft. And there are some uh, big movers and shakers out there that are brothers. There's no doubt about that. But we don't sit down and lodge and, and, and plot what's going to happen in the world. That's, that's just not the way it goes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but we're not that, we're not that special. <clears throat> uh, you broke my heart. I was, I was hoping to find out, you know, when this whole pandemic is going to be over you know like maybe you guys had some kind of secret formula for it <laughs> no well oh, but, but you nice. know what Bo, the, the the one thing i will tell you that has changed 
throughout you know the last 250 years. Back when, when our country was founded, um, pretty much all of our founding fathers were Freemasons. Not a few of them, not half of them, damn near almost all of them, okay? And back then when they were founding the country and carrying on the tradition, the obligation, something that they called the covenant to establish this sanctuary that Janet talked about a little bit earlier, where people could live in freedom from the tyranny of the monarchs of Europe and freedom from the uh, uh, persecution of the Roman church. Um, that's why we have a separation of church and state. And that is why we fought a revolution against a monarchy. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into politics, but I will say this, that the people that attacked the uh, Capitol on January 6th had a misguided view of what they think our democracy is about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, they did. And part of what we would like to do with um, anything that we might do on television going forward is to help educate people what our founding fathers really intended, what they really believed, and what they wanted to see this nation become. And I can tell you that they would be heartbroken to see the division um, and, and the hate and, and the misogyny and the racism that is rampant in our country today. They would be they would be disappointed, even though many of these great men that we lionize all the time, like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, um, owned slaves, right? I mean, let's be honest, they did. Yeah. Um, but you also have to take into consideration context of the times, and people will look back on this time and consider the context. But frankly, we have taken steps backwards uh, in my lifetime, for sure. And we can do better. We, we can all do better. And I think one of the things that the people listening, regardless of their viewpoints, is we are all one species. All of our blood is red. Yes. And we all contain the same <clears throat> DNA up until just a little tiny bit that changes. Um, we're really all one. And we need to we need to get back to thinking that way. And there are so many times you see beautiful acts of kindness and just human beings being wonderful to each other. And um, we've gotten away from that. We've let these artificial um, things get in the way of appreciating us all. And it's, it's sad, but, but we also, um, we also have the capability in us to do better. And I think we will. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. That's well said. Um, yeah, there is there is a lot of division. And yeah. for whatever reason, I feel like it's on purpose. You know, I've, oh, of course it is. <laughs> um, there's there's a, a big push to keep us, you know, fighting amongst each other. So whatever powers it be at the time, it don't matter if there's an R or a D in front of their name. You know, I really don't think that it matters. The, they all have their own. Well, you can you can find fault on both sides right. of the aisle, but you know, as a person that is um, a scientist and a person that um, you know, I'm I'm often called to testify in court cases. I'm a licensed professional, and truth 
facts, um, evidence. I mean, these are the basic fundamentals of, of my work and of my life. Right. And when I see, when I see things out there that are blatantly false, that are base, blatantly not true, it's it's really frustrating to see it because because some people believe what certain people tell them. And a lot of these certain people will say these things and they know full well that it's not true. Right. They do it uh, as a means to an end. Yeah. And that is where we're in big trouble. And, you know, I, I'm not really sure what the answer is. But, you know, one of the things I think it's important that we definitely touch on in this conversation that dovetails with this subject matter that's kind of heavy. It's actually kind of depressing given the state of the world today. But I think what we could do is we could take this to literally another level that will put it in a completely different context and it will surprise people and hopefully it will shake people and hopefully it'll make them rethink some of the petty stuff that we get caught up in, in mm -hmm. life sometimes and just make them rethink a little bit. So I don't know, Jan, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think we've forgotten where we've come from, how far we've come as a society and, and, and as humans. As a species. <clears throat> but our founding fathers left clues for us that, are, that validate some of these things we're talking about. Reverence for the sacred feminine, this balance that we've talked about. They've, um, I had a co-researcher that I wrote a book with, Alan Butler. And Alan and I discovered in Washington, DC that the Washington Memorial, the monument, monument, the monument, its shadow points to things on certain days that are very telling, including the winter solstice, which is December 21st, Right. Shortest, darkest day of the year, and it's Scott's birthday. <laughs> I think you're supposed to say that in reverse. Yeah, My birthday, yeah. the shortest, darkest. <laughs> I should have said that. That's what I usually say. Anyway, uh, the shadow plays with the ellipse, which is just south of the White House. And it's the only time of year where the shadow can reach that. And it just wow. penetrates the ring of the ellipse, which is an egg-shaped oval ellipse, right? So it, it is truly, it, it, it's the fertilization of the sun, right. earth being demonstrated right there every year for us, if we just take the time to notice it. And it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. On, on I mean, top of the, the symbology, the, the masters that these people had to be to, yeah. to, to line this stuff up, that alone is almost mythological. It's so yeah, it is. So yeah. Wild. They, yes, yeah. no computers, yeah, calculators, uh -huh. none and they had to know they had to understand astronomy <clears throat> to a very high level. And it, it's amazing they were able to accomplish it. And that's not the only thing that it does. It it on Constitution Day, September 17th, the shadow goes right up the steps of the Capitol. Wow. Because that was the time of the great harvest in the ancient mystery schools of Demeter in Greece. 
These are the things that they were celebrating and they waited to sign the constitution until that day as a symbolic gesture for us to always be able to figure out. And there's a lot more going on there too that we found. And so they, they left us clues hidden in plain sight for anyone to find. I'm not an astronomer. Right. All started to fall into place and make sense to us. And that's because we understood their ideology. Yeah. Because starting with the very rune stone that Scott's talking about, which had this mysterious hooked up hooked X symbol on it, that's what led us down this path of investigation and into their ideology. Because for me personally, the thing I love to study about history is motive. What motivated people to do right. the things they did? Right. And some of the things they did were incredible sacrifices of self and family. And why would they go to that length? Because they were doing it for future generations. Yeah. For us. For what they believe is the right <clears throat> thing to do. Yeah. Right? Democracy. The yeah. world hasn't seen that. And and they they believed it was it was their place, right? It was like their calling to to make sure this was their, it was their destiny exactly. it was all part of what they called the covenant which is an agreement with god to fulfill this mission and in this case agreement <clears throat> with goddess yeah yeah no. and they use that term the goddess mm-hmm. repeatedly and you know what's interesting about freemasonry is the goddess was 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 all through it and and you know the evidence is in washington washington dc like janet says <clears throat> I mean, if you if you go to the city, just count the statues, male versus female, and it's it's far and away it's female, and right up until you look at the statue on top of the Capitol dome, it's not a dude, it's it's a goddess. It's yeah, I was going to mention that. I was going to say that yeah. that explains why she's on the the Capitol dome, right? That's right. That's she's right. On the highest point, and she's looking to the east to the sunrise. Wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. On a certain day, on a certain day. And there are many other hidden gems around the city and ways for us to discover them. And in fact, the whole key to the system that they develop, which is based on the megalithic yard, which is an Earth-centric measure, also on the planet Venus, there is a way they preserve that because it's the key to figuring out why things are certain distances from each other around the city. And the key to it is a little tiny building on the Capitol grounds that is the most beautiful little structure. It's just a little brick building hidden, sort of nestled into the landscape. And it was placed there by the landscape architect, Frederick Law Olmsted at the time, designed into this, the grounds. And most people would never even notice that it's there. But when we walked by it, we went, what in the heck is this? We were yeah. just drawn into it. And we went down the steps and there's a water fountain in there. It's quiet. And there's this little trickle of water and you go to the back and there's a, a, an iron grate over a window and there's a grotto for water, a spring is trickling out. And it's, it, it's got seats built into it. It's six-sided. It, the whole thing is magically mystical, right? Yeah. And, and when we found out, we figured out what it was all about. There's these slots carved into it, and that's for measuring, counting Venus as it descends. The descent it, of Venus, in yeah. In its brightest 
state, which is every four years, depending on, well, every eight years in this case, because it has to be when it's a, an evening star, but it's, it's a magical place. And they did it to preserve how to find the megalithic yard, which is the key to the city. And which, this so <clears throat> the dimensions uh, that um, Stonehenge in England, right? They were they they match the megalithic yard measuring system. The Newport Tower that we uh, that we um, have we did a number of episodes on America on Earth. We featured the tower. Uh, there are megalithic uh, dimensions there as well. The Kensington runestone by diagonal is exactly, yeah. exactly one megalithic yard mm -hmm. in diagonal. Um, so these are not coincidences. These no. about who carved it, what their ideology was, and what their intention was. And what's so beautiful about this story is that the Templars, um, like I said, this story started in Egypt. It went, you know, they... The followers of uh, Akhenaten were driven out of Egypt. He was the monotheistic dualism uh, pharaoh of Egypt. And his followers, the Aryans, were driven out by the old um, <clears throat> pharaohs of Egypt that still embraced the old Apis bull worship. They didn't want to have the new religion come in. Mm -hmm. So that ideology was driven up into what is now Jerusalem. And the earliest, um, you know, the earliest followers of the Arians were people like John the Baptist, um, Jesus, and their descendants. And what's what's amazing that a lot of people don't understand is that the reason that Jesus and John the Baptist are so important historically is not necessarily because of who they were, mm -hmm. but when they were. And you might say to yourself, what the hell are you talking about, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> But if you want me to tell you, I'll tell you, and it will blow you away. You ready for this? I'm ready. Let me hear it. Okay. All right. I want you to write this down. Procession of the equinoxes. I want your audience to write this down, and I want you to Google it and study it. Because procession of the equinoxes is the key to the history of humanity. Especially religion. And history of religions. So let me just try to explain it. Sure. Every year on the morning of the spring equinox, when the sun rises, mm -hmm. if you look to the east, okay, and you see the sunrise, but before the sun rises, if you look to the east, you will see a constellation in the eastern sky. It'll be one of the 12 primary constellations of the zodiac because the zodiacal belt goes right through the eastern sky. Are you with me? I am. Plane of the ecliptic. So when that sun rises, it goes through that constellation that's considered sacred to the ancient mystics, to the ancient astronomer priests, and that is considered an age. Now there's 12 constellations, right? Mm -hmm. And so whatever constellation is in the eastern sky, that is that particular zodiacal year. It might be Pisces, it might be Taurus, it might be Sagittarius, whatever, right? Now, because of the Earth's wobble, there's a slight wobble to the turn of the Earth. Because of that, the zodiacal belt is perceived on Earth. It's really not the belt that's moving, it's us, right? Right. 
it slowly rotates through that eastern sky around, around us, right? And it takes approximately 26,000 years for that zodiacal belt to make one revolution, okay? That's a long freaking time. Yes, it is. But if you divide it by 12 constellations, the average period of one constellation is about 2,160 years. You with me? I am. But it isn't divided equally. The time of an age depends on the size of the constellation. So just for an example, let's start with Scorpio. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or excuse me. Let's start with Taurus the Bull, which is a large constellation, which lasted a long time, 2,700 years. And in Egypt, they developed what they called the Apis bull culture, where they venerated the bulls. Have you ever heard about the, the mummies that have been found in Egypt? They're, they're bulls that have been wrapped up like mummies. Mm -hmm. Wow, I, I hadn't heard that. No. You yeah. should look it up. Look it up. Yeah. It goes back to this ancient veneration of, of Taurus the bull. But when Akhenaten came into power, he came into power at the time when Taurus descended below the horizon and the next constellation took its place. That one was Aries the Ram. So he knew it was time to change the religion from polytheistic dualism to monotheistic dualism. We talked about that earlier, right? Right. You see it on his chest, right? Mm -hmm. Tut and Akhenaten are both holding the crossed crook and the flail on their chest. The flail herds the bulls, the followers of Taurus, the old religion, and the crook herds the rams, the sheep of Aries. Wow. New religion. You follow? Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm on again. Okay. <laughs> oh, we're not done yet, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so crossed on his chest, that represented his attempt to unite the two religions to make the transition, but it failed. The minor pharaohs of Egypt said, no, nah, we don't like this Apis or this uh, Aries the Ram stuff. So we're keeping the old religion. And they drew, drove him out. That's why all of his statues are all defaced, right? And a lot of them were destroyed right. because they didn't want to change. So his followers, the Aryans, were driven out of Egypt and they went north, actually following the sun. And they eventually settled in a place we now call Jerusalem. Right? Okay. And so... Was that the Exodus story? That would be the Exodus story. Wow. So a lot of people believe that Moses is actually Akhenaten. I'm one of them. In any case, because Aries was such a small constellation, it only lasted about 1,400 years. And then the next transition happened. When a person who was the last pharaoh, the last priest, the last grandmaster who's typically depicted wearing a wool shawl, often carrying a shepherd's crook, mm -hmm. lamb in his arm or a lamb in his feet. Who am I talking about? I don't know his name, <laughs> but I've seen this. I've seen this depiction. John the John Baptist. Baptist. Wow. Right. But think yeah. of baptism as initiation. Well, let's go back for a sec. The ram, the sheep, the wool shawl. Mm -hmm. It's all Aries the Ram, right? right? Yeah. 
He's the last Pharaoh of the age of Ares the Ram, who initiates or baptizes, is what the church says. It wasn't a baptism. It was an initiation. He was passing the mantle on to a guy by the name of Jesus, who was born of the Lamb of God. What does that mean? It means he was born in the final four years of the age of Ares the Ram. And then he becomes who? The Fisher King. Because? Why? Aquarius. No. Pisces. 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 Okay. <laughs> He's the new king, the new pharaoh of the age of Pisces, right? And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a follower of the fish. Right. Now, the fish symbol is very interesting because if you know anything about sacred geometry, the key, the key to sacred geometry is something called the vesica Pisces. So if you take the little tail off the fish, that is the key to sacred geometry. You push two circles together, right? Yeah. The overlap. And where those circles come together, that fish bladder in the middle, that vertical almond shape, the yeah. allegorical birth canal, right. sacred geometry is born. And you often see religious <clears throat> figures depicted in that shape, right? Like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Shoes and things. Okay. So there's a lot more going on here at another level that the church doesn't tell people about. Right. Right? Right. So, so how long has it been since Jesus? Right at 2,000 years, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? So what's happening? Do you remember, do you remember the... Uh, Hold on. The Are end of the world. The end no, of the wait. world. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, what are you this light bulb just went off behind my head. <laughs> Are you getting into aliens? Is that where we're going? Well, not yet. Well, no. Not yet, no. but hold on. Let's finish the session. So it's been 2,000 years, and do you remember how they said that the world was going to end in 2012? 2012, yeah. The Mayan calendar, right. yeah. And it didn't, did it? It didn't. No, because... Not only was 2012, according to the Mayan calendar, the end of the age of Pisces the fish, it was also the end of the 26,000 year long cycle. What we have just lived through and are living through right. is one of the most profound moments in human history. Think about that. What we're living through right now is the change from one, you know, zodiacal year to the next. Yeah. And so Pisces is giving way to the age of Aquarius. There's right? Aquarius. There's Aquarius. <laughs> I want to take just a minute to tell you guys about SquatchSurvivalGear.com. If you're into camping, bushcraft, survival, prepping, or just looking for an everyday carry, SquatchSurvivalGear.com has everything you need. They have the gear to help you survive the worst day of your life. You know, it's just to help you be ready. Uh, for me, I have the Rock Ape Pack. It's one of the backpacks that they offer. It is, it's a good size bag. You know, it, I, I took it out on my last trip for a, for a four-day camp, and everything I needed fit in there. Um, they have things that go from that size down to like a sling bag, they have a bigger bag, you know, like the Grassman or the Yowie. 
Uh, if you haven't noticed, they have cool names too. You know, they're named after you know these cryptids, the Minahuni. Uh, they, they, they got it all. But the gear itself is 100% made in America. Every component is made in America. Um, the guy that's designing them and making them here, his name is Chris. He's been on my show a couple times. But he's a, uh, he's a veteran. And he went with the gear that he used while in military service and reconfigured it to, to be even better and made it available you know, to the civilian sector. Top-of-the-line gear, absolutely bomb-proof. I love it. Best I've ever had in my life. You know, I've, I've had Camelbacks. I've had L.L. Bean. I've had uh, some, some really high-end stuff. But this Squatch Survival gear, it just it steals the show. Uh, it's fantastic gear. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. You can use promo code BUMP10 and save 10% on anything on the entire site. Okay, what and, do, and what is it? Well, Janet will what, tell you. What, what do we call Aquarius? It's the water bearer. Feminine. Water bearer. Okay. Right? Water bearer. Who bears water during pregnancy? Yeah, the woman, yeah. Amniotic fluid, right? Yeah. And she is symbolically giving birth to this new age, this new calendar year, this new cycle. It's a new beginning. And nobody understands this. The other thing that's interesting about procession is there are prophecies that go along with it. And the prophecy of the age of Aquarius is that the transition into the new year, zodiacal year, is going to be rife with turmoil. It's going to be difficult. We're in the middle of it right now. Now, we're going to transition into aliens right now. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Almost. Okay. Hold on. So, <laughs> <laughs> all these monumental figures, you know, are representing and leading us through these. Is that are, is the alien what leads us through into Aquarius? Is that? Well, um, I'm not sure about that. I mean, the, the, the feminine really is the symbol of Aquarius, but. Um, are they yeah, from Venus? The aliens you know, like are. Well, let's, let's put it this way. So the aliens are pulling for us as humans. And by the way, the, the well, let's let's back up and, and help your audience understand where we're coming from. About a year ago, I was contacted by a person who said he was with the Department of Defense, hmm. working for NASIC, the National Air and Space Intelligence Center. And he asked me if I would be interested in helping with disclosure. And I think part of the reason he did that was because he felt like people that had watched America on Earth believed, believed that we were trying to do things the right way, that we were telling the truth, that we... Um, you had credibility with the people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I love you. <laughs> you know, you got well, me. I well, I... Well, I appreciate that, but yeah. But anyway, he, you know, he said that, and he goes, "If you'd be willing to help us, I'd, 
be willing to work with you. And I said, well, hell yeah, man. I mean, well, you weren't quite hell. Yeah. Well, right no, well, we had to go. go through the vetting process. He had to convince me of who he was and he did that. He actually came and stayed with us for yeah. three days. He came to our house and showed us all his credentials and wow. And, and, and we were not big alien. Um, well, that I was, don't know. we weren't, we it's just, we weren't into aliens. We didn't understand it. We weren't, but we were also weren't in a place where we thought there is no such thing. We were sort of in the middle ground. We were tied up in our other research at the time. Right. So when he came here, he had to get us up to speed and we had to come to a place after a few months where we were ready to hear it, we were ready to understand. And we did get there to that, that point with his help and his education. And a lot of the education that he gave us was by watching videos that are out there in the public realm right now. And it's not just necessarily about aliens, but other things, remote viewing and well, you know what? Here's something that you're, um, I think your audience might find very interesting. There's two documentaries that I would highly recommend. Yeah. One is called Unacknowledged. Stephen Greer. Yeah. Stephen Greer. Stephen Greer. Mm -hmm. The second one is called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Yeah. That's also Dr. Stephen Greer. Yes, it is. And I think what people need to understand <clears throat> and really think about, because the more I think about it, a lot of the stuff that I have heard, been told, um, that in the past didn't make a lot of sense to me, even memes that talk about philosophical stuff, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it takes on a whole different context, a whole different meaning to me when I think about it from the standpoint that a, the way to communicate with aliens is through collective consciousness. Telepathic. <clears throat> they don't talk to you. They, they communicate telepathically. Right. And we have the ability, all of us, to do it. We just don't do it because we don't know how. Um, but we have that capacity within our brains to do it. And that's one of the things when you watch these uh, documentaries that you start to understand. And when you, when you talk to or you watch documentaries about people who have had encounters with uh, aliens, let's just call them, they don't talk to them. They, it's all nonverbal. Right. And that's just really the, the tip of the iceberg because this whole concept of collective consciousness and the um, ability to use your mind telepathically and who knows <clears throat> in what other ways that we're, we're just not capable of understanding yet. Um, we have a lot to learn. We have a lot, um, we have a lot of potential. And what we've been told is the aliens, they look like us. They walk among us. Um, the the almond shaped eyes, the little green men that everybody typically think of. Behind you. Yeah, yeah. these guys back here. Yeah, those guys <laughs> back there. Those aren't aliens. Right. Those are biological drones. I know it. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just telling you what he told us, and I have no reason not to believe him. Yeah. And 
But I will, I will also say this, this sort of kind of brings us full circle back to the beginning a little bit. <clears throat> you know, the one thing that I think the audience needs to understand, and this is really important, the earth is one of the crown jewels of the interstellar universe. There are very few planets like this one. And it's important in the universe because if something happened to earth, it doesn't just affect us, it affects everything else out there. Mm -hmm. And I think some people can understand that. So one thing we were told is that the aliens will not allow us to destroy this planet with nuclear weapons. It's just not gonna happen. And we have tried numerous times to first strike. I'm not just, I'm not saying necessarily the United States, right. but they've shut it down every time. They won't allow it because destroying the ionosphere with nu nuclear uh, fallout will kill the planet. And they won't, they won't allow that to happen. And it will go out of space and cause more havoc. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll cause havoc elsewhere. The other thing is they are pulling for us as a species they want us to succeed but they're not going to intervene and if we screw it up it's on us meaning, they're not going to save us meaning killing our own planet and our resources they well don't, they don't want to see us kill our resources because earth will recover once right. we're gone yeah but we're going to do ourselves in with pollution and using up our natural resources that we can access to this point and and global warming is a real thing and like Janet said, you know, the global warming, the earth will survive that, the plants will come back, but we won't. And we're doing it to ourselves in our ignorance, our hypocrisy, um, our selfishness, um, our racism, our misogyny, all these things we talked about before, greed. the lies, the greed, greed. that's yeah. what's going to do us in. And it's a shame because we can do better. And, you know, again, it's the, um, they're pulling for us. They, you know, they want to see us do better. They don't, they didn't like the last four years. They didn't like, um, but again, it's up to us. And I know what I want to see for our future. We have a grandson coming here in about two months. Well, congratulations. First one. Yeah, first oh, one. Oh, wow. First grandchild. Congrats. Yeah. We couldn't possibly be that old, could we? <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break it to you. But you know I mean, I mean, I think we all want that. And that's something that regardless of what your political view is, what your race is, what your age is, you know, you want to, you know, this is this is a great world. It's a wonderful planet. And I want my kids to continue to have a great experience. I want my grandkids to have a great experience and the ones I'll never meet. But that responsibility falls on me and everybody else out there. We all can do better and we must do better. And I think if you put it in context with everything that we've talked about, some of the selfishness and the greed, how much money does a person need? Right. You know, um, after a while, it just, it, it's your self-worth isn't, isn't dependent on the size of your bank account. It depends on, you know, how, you know, the work you do in this world and the people's lives that you impact in positive ways. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So 
you need to get, we need, we all know that, right? Yeah. We all understand that. And it's just time that we put our, our, uh, our actions where, you know, where, where our philosophies deep down really are. Right. Yeah. I get that. I, I, and that's a, that's a perfect message, you know, money, money is power, right? And everybody yeah. wants to rule the world. So, and if everybody could stop putting themselves first and stop trying to one up, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If we could work so together, that's, that's the, that's the message of Jesus too, wasn't it? You know, for everybody. Well, pretty much. Certainly By the was. way, you want me to blow your mind? Certainly was. Blow my mind again. <laughs> There's some that say that Jesus was an alien. That blows my mind. <laughs> that doesn't. That does. He had great impact, didn't he? He did have great impact. And he had great wisdom. The more you think about it, the more it makes sense to me. I'm yeah. not saying that's a fact. Right. And what we've been told. Um, well, you had this wealth of information with you for three days. And he's disclosed some things that are going to change the world if it you know, continues to grow. Um, did he tell you where they come from? Like, there's not just one place. I, okay. There's a bunch, there's, there's many different species. You know, I, I think the simplest way we can describe it was how he described it to us. Remember Star Trek? Yep. The Federation. The original Star Trek. Yeah. Every like bit that. of it, every bit of it is true. <clears throat> Gene Roddenberry was the creator of that. He was read in. And wow. he was 33rd degree Freemason. And he depicted it well. I mean, it's it was, yeah. it's nothing to be afraid of. Space, it's, 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 yeah. a, it's a good thing. Space travel is real. Time travel is real. They can go through wormholes or portals. You probably heard about portals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, the natives know all about them. They right. call them sky people. And when you talk to a native that'll open up to you, that is uh, even a little bit spiritual, they don't even flinch. Oh, yeah, we know all about them. Right. And they understand the telepathic communication. Mm -hmm. The church was the one that demonized the natives by calling them savages, which mm -hmm. is what a group of people will do to another group of people they'll label them something derogatory to justify persecution right. and the church did that to the indigenous people i'm not this isn't banging on the church this is a fact right. every in the newspaper articles about the um, hundreds of, of dead children buried in mass graves at these christian run schools in canada and i'll tell you what oh, you no. in the coming oh, days yes. it's worse down here sickening and so the indigenous people probably live in balance with nature better than any other culture on the planet. And look what we did to them. And by the way, when the Templars came over here, you know who they aligned with? The natives. <laughs> That'd be smart. <laughs> well, you know why? Because they're matriarchal. They venerate the feminine, the goddess. And that's what they had in common. The natives also practice their own version of Freemasonry. Did you know that? I did not know that. It's called the Medewin, M-E-D-I-W-I-N. Look it up. And I've been in their sweats. 
And I can tell you this, they know all about the Templars. They were the ones that guarded the treasures for over 400 years until our founding fathers took up the mantle and finished the job. It's called the United States of America. Yeah. And you're welcome <laughs> and treat it with respect. For your freedom. Yeah. Because freedom is wow. free. That's a fact. Never, never. Sorry, I get a little spun up. I, I love it. The whole thing on January 6th really pissed me off. Yeah. Well, and that's what the Templar treasure was used for eventually was the revolution. Really? Money. It cost money. They had to go and retrieve the treasure that they brought over here. They had all these little, think of them as little bank accounts all right. over. Yeah. And along the seaboard. And, and don't and don't forget about the native they contribution. Knew where they were, and the natives helped guard it because they were part of it. It was their covenant with 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 the goddess. Their brothers asked them to protect it. You got to remember something: gold and crosses and menorahs and silver and jewels. They meant nothing to the natives. Right. But it was something to their brothers, and they said, "Will you guard this?" And they did. And it was a father to son tradition for 400 years. So we owe them our thanks. Instead of treating them like shit, we should be honoring them for what they deserve. I agree. Look what happened. And And the masses masses took over and took the land. Why? Because they claimed manifest destiny. God said, "We we will work the land so we can take it because the natives are not working the land. Well, they weren't it's destroying the land. They were living in balance. They used it intelligently. Living in balance. They didn't over harvest, over hunt. Um, didn't you know over use the land? And you know now we've depleted all the nutrients. And I mean, you, you know what's water. going on. I'm not telling anything you don't already know. Oh no, you're you know, right. The water and the aquifers and. The river, the Colorado River is. And you know, this whole virus thing? Drain yeah. anymore. Instead of blaming, you know, Wuhan and the Chinese, maybe Mother Earth is uh, flicking some of the fleas off her back. Maybe there's too many of us because we can't control our own population because we're too stupid. That's the truth. <laughs> Just aggravates the hell out of me when I think about it. But you know, people have got to start looking inward instead of blaming everybody else. What can I do to fix the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish we would. I wish that I wish the whole world would collectively look inward. That's um, what we got to do. And if we can raise the collective consciousness, even a few percentage points, it'll raise it for everyone, even right. those who who don't want to think that way. Right. We'll, we will help ourselves as a species, which is what we need to do. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, for us to get so heavy here. Oh, no, it's fine. I got to tell you, we have to because we don't have a lot of time. And that has also been made clear to us. So we have it in us. I know we can do it. We just have to want to do it. Yeah, yeah, we're getting to a tipping point where there might not be a way back. Did they offer any kind of timeline, any kind of window? Um, they they did, but I don't want to put out numbers yeah. because you know it 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 varies, you know. But it, it's not long. 
<laughs> Stop. Uh, hey, we're there now. We need to. We need to change our ways. Yeah. And need to be leaders. Well, and, we and need to be leaders of the world and changing it, our ways. It's not like the curtain goes dark, but we are getting to the point of no return with the way we're treating the planet. The planet for us to be able to sustain ourselves. The planet will continue, but we may not. Right. And we, we've got to get our act together. And some of the things that we're arguing about are so irrelevant in the grand scheme. It's just, it's insane, you know? Yeah. 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 You, you know, this conversation sounds a lot like the conversations I have with my wife out in the patio and in the evenings when we both get home from work, you know, about how we wish we could just wake up to those around us. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Well, so you know, true. you know, another subject that is, you know, in the news today is, you know, the anti-vaccination -vac people. Mm -hmm. And just reading an article, we're season ticket holders for the Vikings, right? Minnesota Vikings. That's our team. Right. Right now, three of our four quarterbacks are in training camp or in COVID protocol. They can't practice until Thursday because they weren't vaccinated and, and they were exposed. And there was an article that just talked about how these people made a personal choice that I think is very selfish personally, um, because it's not just about you not getting vaccinated. The fact is if, if, if everybody got vaccinated, we would be done with COVID. We'd be done. But the reason we're not, and it's going to get worse again before it gets better, is because too many people have not taken the shot. But here's the thing. So three out of four quarterbacks cannot practice, including our starter, Kurt Cousins, because they don't want to get vaccinated. So what happens during the season when we got a big game against Green Bay for the conference title, and all of a sudden they get COVID? Yeah. What does that do to the locker room? Yeah guys that were vaccinated that are putting their bodies on the line every freaking day to keep him upright but he's too selfish to get a to get a vaccine for whatever reason look we were vaccinated we've been vaccinated for over six months and you know there, there there's no chip that goes in your body everybody already has a chip right. if the to know they know okay so stop <laughs> we, we carry our tracking devices don't we let, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. You know, you can't hide from them. And, uh, and, and if you're not doing anything wrong, why are you worried about it? You know, what's the big deal? It's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's just people have got to, we got to think as one again. We, there's too many of us now. We can't, this, we're, our individual freedoms are going to continue to be taken away. Um, wearing a mask. What's the big freaking deal? I don't like wearing a mask. But if it helps reduce it even a little, put the damn thing on. If it's the law, I mean, why do people show up at the airport, they get on the plane, and then make a big stink about wearing a mask? You knew that before you went to the airport, you jack wagon. Stop it. Just stop it. Jesus. <laughs> well, and the other thing is we don't want more variants to develop. Yeah. And that's what will happen because people who, who are not vaccinated are the incubators for new variants to start. And that we don't want to happen because what if one develops that 
right now we can't keep up with in well, terms what's, of what's, vaccinations. What's going to happen? We're all in trouble again. What, what's going to happen is the vaccine shot that we got is going to be worthless if a new variant continues to mutate because not enough people are vaccinated. And then it'll come down to getting boosters or new well, inoculations, right? Vaccines. Yeah. That's what's that's what's going to happen. And anyway, it's just it's like my God, we've got so many other bigger problems. Just get the damn shot. Just <laughs> the breathing you're hearing is not us. It's this you giant see, German Shepherd. You got away from <laughs> dog. <laughs> It's all She's right. a beautiful girl, but she wants grandpa to play with her right now. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I told you guys it would only be about an hour, and I think the dog was keeping a, a timer going because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, been, maybe she was. She's pretty smart. It's been right at an hour. So I guess we'll. Well, let, sorry we got so heavy on you. I know you're good. I love it. I, that's the whole point of this show is to have people come on and just. You know, I'd usually revolve around the unexplained and paranormal, but, you know, there's sometimes when real talk just has to break through and we have real talk, you know, so. I, well, you know what? I mean, I, somebody, we, we had a, we had a guy over here not too long ago who is going to be getting, I, I can't say his name, but he's going to be getting a brand new um, radio show on a big network. Um, and he really is just doing his own podcast right now. But I've known him for a number of years. He's a really, really good guy. And we got on the subject of, of disclosure. And he said, he said, when I first heard that you were involved in this, I really wanted to talk to you and get your take on this whole thing, which I just explained to you basically our take. And he said, there is no bigger story. I don't care what subject matter you want to talk about. Exactly. This is the biggest story you could possibly talk about. Yeah. And that's why I get so passionate about it because even if we, we change one person or a few people to really think deep and hard about this and, and change the way they think about our place in the world and take seriously what we all need to do, that personal responsibility, um, you know, then I'm doing my job and I'm, I, I've done something that has contributed to the, the most important thing there is, our, our species survival. And hopefully someday we'll, and, and, and what we were told is the aliens want humans to become part of the interstellar community. Wow. Just Gene Roddenberry envisioned. Yeah. And we can do track. it if we want to. We just have to want to. Yeah. I, I could talk to you guys about disclosure. You know, I, I would like to have a, uh, you know, like hour by hour play, play by play of what went on with this guy, you know? Um, <laughs> well, we have a lot uh, more and actually we're going to be seeing him yeah. in the next, uh, almost, uh, almost a week. week from now. Yeah. yeah. Really? We're going to be spending some time with him. We're going to get the latest breakdown. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have more to talk about the next time. Um, I know it can't go too much, but I know there's multiple species. Did he say about a ballpark figure how many we're talking about that we're dealing with in this federation? Did they give any kind of well, I don't recall. You no, know, we ne we've never asked him that question, but I have heard him mention at least six, seven, eight different species, but that doesn't 
I doubt that's anywhere near all of them, but he did talk, he's talked about different yeah. groups, different species. And I guess they don't have to even be in our galaxy if they're coming through wormholes and all that. They can just pop in from right. wherever. Um, so the whole they're worry not, about they're not from our galaxy, they're from other places. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's really nothing to worry about, is what we've been. Yeah, look, if they wanted to take us out, they would have done it a long time ago. That's not what they want to do. Yeah. That's not their goal. They're pulling for us. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. We need all the help we can get, right? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And, and it, it really was a mind bender to think, because we've always just thought in terms of our own planet, right? You can't really think about anything beyond that. Right. Because there's nowhere else to go right, right. now, Right. Right. So that's why we have all this infighting. It's like a bunch of roommates living in one house. Well, yeah. suddenly if you have other households to interact with, oh, get your mind off your problems within your household <clears throat> and look at what we have potential to do. Yeah. The possibilities are endless and incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. We need to stop fighting. About each other's religions and territory and things like that. We need to just realize we are all one species. We all represent our home, yeah. planet Earth. This is our home. Yeah. Let's take care of it. Let's show the rest of the universe that we're not a bunch of idiots, that we care about our planet and we care about each other. And we care about them. Yeah. Yeah. And we're ready for them to teach us. We have to be humble. We have to be willing to receive those lessons. Right. Now, now, do you think that we can blame this culture that we have, this selfishness, this, uh, you know, self-obsession, <laughs> you know, um, compared to these other civilizations, these other races? Um, are, are we just that much younger of a species that we haven't gotten there yet? Or... Where do we go wrong? You know, how do they have this figured out, you know, to where they can travel and they can spread a message of peace and love? How ancient are they? Are they? I think they're far more ancient than we could ever even imagine. Yeah. Must be. Yeah. Well, I, I, and, you know, some of the questions you're asking are great yeah, questions. Really good I question. don't know if we necessarily have all the answers. Yeah, I mean, not us personally. And I, but I, you know, I, I know that we as a species are not nearly as old as we want to think we are. Right. Um, there's some discussion. Some people say that we were seated here um, yeah, we in, are in, in part in their vision. Yeah. Uh, and we're not the first iteration of humans. Right. Have you heard that before? I have. Um, and you know that, I bring my dad on to this show every once in a while. And my dad is one of the, the people who tend to believe that we were seated here. Um, and it would make his day if you told me right now that that's what this man that visited told you that we are. <laughs> uh, um, you know what we say in Freemasonry? Um, when someone asks a question that we really can't answer, we say, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> and usually that means yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll take that. I think there definitely was some of that going on. That's just my personal opinion. I, if this is all really true, and I believe that it is, mm -hmm. that there are all these multiple species out there, why wouldn't we be part of that right. already? Yeah. Makes sense. It does. It makes sense. And this is a, a good place for a, an incubator, I guess, ain't it? You know, we got everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we save it for the next time? All right. All right. I, I'll do that as long as you promise to come back again. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we're going to get a good dose of our friend here and we'll have lots of questions. The funny part is he listens to most of these interviews. Oh, yeah. And he gives us a breakdown on how we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he calls me janitarium. <laughs> now, janitarium, you got a little too negative about this or that. Yeah. Well, he's great. He's great. He's a, been a really wonderful teacher and he's incredibly smart and about yeah. about 30% of what he says to me in any given conversation goes over my head. And I wow. hope that's, that it's able to come back around again so I catch it the next time. Wow. <laughs> Mostly because it's I'm so busy still processing what he just said that the next thing <clears throat> you don't catch. Yeah. <laughs> No, he's a, you know, the one thing I will say, he is incredibly intelligent, yes. but he's also a really good dude. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick suggestion before we go. Sure. You want to watch a great series that he recommended. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. It's called Dark. I think Dark. it was Hulu. Yeah, I think we, yeah, I was on Hulu and it was actually produced in Germany three seasons and but it's got you know english voiceover right and when you first watch it the you watch their mouths it kind of messes you up a little bit but within <laughs> Not too much. I, no i'd say I within the first that. 20 minutes you, you'll forget all about that awesome it's 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 three seasons i think it's nine episodes each something like that and then but it's it's really good the acting is phenomenal the really good acting. The storyline is, um, I mean, the basic story is is easy to follow, but following the the characters and their transitions is is very confusing. But it will all come together. They do catch up, so you can figure out who's who. But here's why it's it's confusing. Basically, it it involves a nuclear reactor. Mm -hmm is fictitious right in germany in germany that um underneath it contains a portal or it and the nuclear a plant the nuclear plant does some funky things to the portal so you're watching the show and all of a sudden the main character that you meet when he's a, a teenager might walk into the room where the teenager is and it's him in middle age talking to himself oh wow middle-aged person recognizes his teenage self well he knows it's him but the teen doesn't recognize the teen doesn't know he's talking to himself nice bending shit like that yeah this this thing's so good but there's yeah. also an old age person right mm -hmm. and the people that they cast for this show 
they look like the younger versions and vice versa. Yeah, it's, really it's amazing how well it's cast. And almost every character you end up meeting in their three times of life at some point. Yeah, they're and youth, middle age, and old age. Because, and, and, and trying to figure out how this portal, this time shift thing, and how time sifts, which isn't always the way we think of it as linear. linear right. Your future can affect your past, and, right. for, and it's it's just a mind blower. But, and it, it's not the alien thing; it doesn't get into that. Right. It's physics. I mentioned that before. There's a you lot do. that we don't understand about space, time, and physics. Okay, mm. and those things are important, and those are things that are are uh, universal neighbors do understand well. We're behind on that in terms yeah. of what they know. I'll and definitely check that watch out. Watch the show. What, whole, what, what our contact told us was the science is real. Yes. Time travel is real. Wow. Have it now. Yeah. And we, I think when you watch the series, you will, uh, you'll appreciate it. And I will say this. He was a, um, our contact was a, a um, technical advisor on the show. And he got along so well with everybody that the main character in midlife, the male, looks just like him. The guy they cast. Jonas. Was cast because he was an ode to our guy. Wow. Okay. Okay. He looks like him. I'll be looking for him. Looks like him. Yep. It's pretty cool. But that every time we talk to him, we learn something new. And sometimes he'll chide us because we don't remember the last lesson. <laughs> on kids he's like come on kids we i told them. you this last time yeah, come on you guys okay well let me ask you one and i'll promise i'll let you go one last question is he one of us or one of them that's a great question and i've pondered that thought and my answer is i don't freaking know <laughs> I don't know, honestly. It's I, a great I, question. I think he's one of us, but think so? I don't know that we could really tell. Yeah. Oh, he told you they we all, we all look alike, right? He said they walk yeah. around us. They're they walk but, among us. But is there a way that they could reveal themselves? I don't know. Hmm. Speed. We have not. We have yet to experience that. If that is the case, I'm I'm anxious to find out. You know, yeah. if, me too, man. If, if they want to knock on my door, I'd open it for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, pay, pay attention to the, you know, the, to the videos that are coming out from the military and especially the Navy pilots and things. Yeah, and, man. Yeah. Because this, this is their way of getting us used to the idea oh, that there's something more going on than no, just us. Yeah. So soft disclosure. Soft disclosure. Right. And Scott, actually, one last thing, had a fan write to him and say, by the way, I watched your episode about Montezuma's treasure, and did you see the UFO in the background behind you? Yeah. And we checked it out, and there is one. Wow. And we yeah. checked with our production company, which is here in Minnesota. They pulled up the original footage, and it's there. <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't added. And we showed it to our guy and he said, sure looks like it. Nobody noticed it in eight years since that episode. Wow. 
this air. Yeah, it was over eight years ago. And then we talked to the oh, well, this blew our don't mind. don't get well. Yeah. Well, this well, I story. Say, this... I gotta say this. I got it, Scott. It's just too incredible. All right. So the the guy whose land it was on, where this show this episode was shot, right? And it was in southern Utah. We hadn't talked to that guy. Scott met him once shooting, <laughs> never heard from him again. That morning, after we learned about this, that guy wrote Scott an email. It was a, an email to several people. The next morning. But he was on it. Wow. And we couldn't believe it. Right. That goes beyond like a synchronicity. You know, that's like. Yeah. yeah so we exactly. were able to talk to him and told him the whole thing. And he said, because our contact asked us to talk to him and say, hey, is there anything in the background up there on that cliff that he knows of that could have given this illusion? You know, is there weather balloons launched from there for some reason behind there or right. something with uh, power lines? Nothing, nope. nothing. He's never seen anything like it. Wow. Wow. Just, there you go. They're already, they're always with us then, right? Apparently, <laughs> was watching. <laughs> well, guys, thank you again so much for doing this show with me. Uh, this has been like a dream come true for me. Uh, it's it's great to, get to know <laughs> you guys. It's great to meet you and talk to you. Um, hopefully, the show does you some kind of service, and it's not just a fanboy experience. Hopefully, this message. No, will no, out. I'm sure it will. I'm no, sure. I, 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 I hope the listeners take what we. We've told them to heart and uh, do a little bit of their own research and a little bit of soul searching too. And everybody has to kind of think about, you know, what can I do to make this, this thing better? And if everybody does even just a little bit, it'll, it'll make a big difference. You know, that's right. Every, every voice comes together with the rest and makes a much louder noise. Right. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again. You'll have a good right. night. Thanks, Bo. And uh, I'll send you a link to this so uh, your contact can can review it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll tell them. We'll 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 forward it on. We'll say hi. How do we do, pops? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. All right. Bo. Had a great time. Thank you. Bye bye. Good night. All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to the bumppodcast.com, click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to the bumppodcast.com. Click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com, and uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right, again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.